Welcome, welcome. You're listening to the journey's the destination. Today, we're talking with our dear, dear friend Josh, who's a writer, book enthusiast, a philosopher, a traveler, a well-spoken man of many wisdoms. And with him, we're gonna talk about his travels, the book he's writing, and also many tangents on the way to get anywhere. So, without further ado, let's jump into the conversation with Josh. I was um, picking um, Kiwis with a, a, another Kiwi guy, but also a he, an old Polish man. I think he was like 70 or 80, but he was a, a professor of philosophy. And so it was kind of like w- when we would do the same row as him, we would spend hours just listening to him talk and he would just talk mm. forever because was, was, that was his background, teaching philosophy. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, cool. It was like having a live <laughs> podcast with us. <laughs> Yeah. Wow, such a privilege. Yeah, yeah it's great. <laughs> cool. I don't know, I'm feeling good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Alrighty. Okay. Josh Fyodorovich Karamazov. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Welcome, Josh. So, for the beginning, can you tell us something about yourself? Just how would you describe yourself? What would you like people to know about you? I'm a curious person. I like to do things I don't initially think I'm interested in and then discover that I'm interested in it. Mm. Yeah, just keep, I'm very open, curious. Yeah. We know you grew up on Great Barrier. How, yeah. How, how did that, like, I know it's a big part of you. you a lot of things you sp- speak about stems from this, your bring, bringing up and growing up there. How, how would you say this is like a part of you? And also, how was it? I'm interested. Yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Great Barrier is maybe what Waihiki was four years ago. Yeah, so still, still a lot of um, houses without electricity, no roads, kind of like a wild west of this area or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the last frontier. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing I liked probably most about it was its ruggedness. So mm. basically the whole island has no electricity. So it's sort of self-sufficient. You, But also, the, yeah, when I was growing up, the roads had no seal on it yet. So they're all gravel and and wild and there was a certain ruggedness to it which is characteristic of, of the island which I really enjoyed mm. that 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 took, carved a, a nice character in me I think yeah I would say that that part of it was had a profound effect on my childhood yeah opened me up to the, the adventures the adventurous side of life mm. yeah I loved it really. so how do you live without electricity did you have like generator for electricity or completely without yeah. with mm. candles or <laughs> yeah. I, I don't imagine like, everyone <laughs> everyone everyone was different so so every, it was, most people had a generator which was like a diesel generator mm-hmm. so so well some had solar panels as well but mostly had, we mm-hmm. had a diesel generator and we had it functioning say in a 24 hour period for eight hours I think mm-hmm. it was f- something like four hours in the morning and four hours in the evening with a big chunk during the day without electricity and obviously in the night while sleeping there was no electricity either so um the 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 fridge had to be remained <laughs> closed during the day and if oh. and if you wanted something you just you just had to go without it i guess or open it really quickly so yeah, if you wanted yeah. milk with the coffee or something <laughs> you couldn't take uh, the milk out so arbitrarily yeah it was very very funny 
Yeah, yeah, like I never imagined living without electricity. I mean, of course, when you go out for a little bit, but just like true life, you know, doing everything. Can you do stuff on my on Great Barrier? It's yeah, plenty of fishing. So fishing, pl- okay. plenty of diving, plenty of um, hiking, plenty of nature stuff. Yeah. M- mostly nature stuff. Yeah, yeah no, but no, easy to do without electricity. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> no or sailing too. So mm, most people are sailors, or they worked on the mussel barge, or mm. they uh, they worked. Not so much agriculture, eh? The, the, the soil apparently is not very good. I, I don't know much about it, but I know that... Well, I know that agriculture was kind of a failure there mm. for the early people who arrived maybe mm. 100 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. But it rained a lot, so what happened then was, well, if you can't go outside when it's raining, you've got to figure out something to do. And if you're living in a house with, with no electricity, obviously no television or internet or anything, so it's sort of... It's like... A step back into the past, maybe a hundred years. So mm. we were playing cards or board games or mm. amusing ourselves, f- fighting off the boredom. I'd say. Mm. So, so, so many, many, I had many great memories of of that. But, but yeah, playing cards. Yeah, exactly. Going half crazy. I have maybe two memories of being without electricity mm. for I don't know half a day maybe, yeah. and all we did was like. Playing cards, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the candles, and yeah, uh, make some tea. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Actually, the funny thing it. when we met was when you moved in our house and Kristen was not there. Yep. Yeah. And the yeah, electricity yeah. went out, and I was all like, "Oh my god, what are we gonna do?" And I was because everything is electricity. Shocked, power. Yes. No I, water. I never, no never lived without electricity in my entire life. And you were like, you were so chill. You were like, "Wow, this is like where I grew up, like the Barrier Island. I like it a lot." <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that day. I I remember that the whole, the whole uh, Onitangi had no electricity, but especially our place. <laughs> it was like a, another day extra that had no electricity. Just our place. <laughs> just our place. Yeah, it was really true. funny and annoying, and and I remember that. Yeah. And I know we were just sitting down and talking about books and philosophy, and I was having like tiny candles. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I th- I think I burnt all the candles. I think I burnt all the candles out. Or ran out of wax to burn the candle. <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah, so already then we discovered that you are crazy about books. I know when you came in with a tiny backpack <laughs> of clothes and a big backpack of books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how are you, how is it that you're so fascinated mm. by the books? Mm. What do you find in them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't necessarily like reading. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like having been read so the yeah it's like exercise i think i don't like exercising it's uncomfortable but after it i feel more healthy it's the same with my mind i feel more healthy in the mind Um, also i just like nice i like to learn things i'm absolutely fascinated in learning things so 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 i can't help myself you get you can go into like tangents of reading and you can get stuck in one area and I, i i was reading a lot of the russian novels as well at the time which you go from one to the other and, and learn a lot. Yes, I'm just interested, I would say. Mm. Yeah, I'm not a natural reader, so I'm very slow at reading, actually. But um, with enough practice, I've figured out how to read a hard books, Yeah, which has had a profound effect on everything. Changed my life completely, I would say. Mm. I never knew this. I never asked myself, but a couple of days ago, I just found out that you have more or less zero <coughs> formal education. But... At the same time, in my mind, you're the most well-read of any of the people I know on the island or ever. I just want to know, like, what's actually your education been like? 
Or where, yeah. did, where did you get this um, push and <coughs> motivation and everything that you are yeah. now? Yeah, naturally I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'm high in trade openness. I'm very fascinated with ideas and <coughs> I like learning basically, but I haven't actually gone to university. I, I was homeschooled too, so I didn't go to a, a, a formal uh, um, public school or anything like that. I went to correspondence school in the high school years. And and also because of living on Great Barrier, there is just no high school there either. So, mm. so so most most children are either homeschooled or leave the island. But yeah, I am. I'd say I'm a very creative person who is interested in learning. So naturally, I'm going to lean towards uh, reading and history and subjects I enjoy. Uh, yeah, but no, I haven't been to university at all or haven't haven't been to any formal high school at all i would say i'm just naturally a curious person that was just amazing the allegory of schools cutting wings off the children and yeah. <laughs> making yeah. them uncurious you know this is crazy i didn't know this about you as well and for me like you said christian for me josh you are wow like the way you think your philosophy about life religion and just about everything. It's so deep and s with such a profound understanding that I always just enjoy listening to you. Yeah. And it's for me, it's incredible that you did not study, I don't know, philosophy or something like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I still cannot believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The takeaway is don't do, don't go to school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I People, don't. I, <laughs> school will kill you. <laughs> I can't. I can't say that. I don't. I don't know what I'm. What 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 school is 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 like actually. So so. Mm. So I can't say don't go to something I don't know anything about. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of a weird question, but do you wish you would have gone to school? Or? Yeah, 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 yep, yeah, yep, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'd say that. Uh, I'd say that. Um, mostly, I'm happy that I haven't. Nevertheless, I'm interested in what life would be like if I did go. I, I assume that I would fit in easier, uh, and I and I would. Maybe. I would. I, I like the idea of being normal. Then you can function in in society more efficiently and, 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 and get along with life, I would say, perhaps easier. Um, though perhaps part of my creativity has come out because of my difference, because of my isolation through childhood and uh, because me and my brothers were, were homeschooled, yeah, so I would say that uh, that is, yeah, I don't know. I think about it often, actually. But you can still study, though. Yeah, yeah, Is yeah. It possible, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. actually. I've been thinking for like a year now if I should s study something in, in university. I really yes. want to, but it's yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. What do you want to choose? I could choose anything, but mostly I would do something in the humanities. Probably mm. I've been thinking about literature, or also I also recently have been thinking about psychology as a science. Mm. Yeah, nice. Yeah. You're gonna teach those or? <laughs> so, yeah, so you're gonna, I, I agree. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. I like to work hard at it. If I think, I think if you've got something that you're interested in, then work hard at it and learn everything about it. And and then you, yeah, it's nice to focus on one thing rather rather than having a thousand things that you're interested in and being good at none of them. It's really nice to hmm. devote yourself to one thing. And I thought, oh, psychology would be nice. So yeah, and it's. It, I, I think. I think naturally, I don't know why I do it, but I choose very difficult things to do. I uh, like difficult things. I don't know why. Yeah, so uh, it won't be easy at all if I went to university, but I, I really would like to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I must say for me, it was like this. It was just a nice challenge, like crazy enough 
to do it, you know, like not a lot, a lot of people finish, so it's extra this, you know, an extra twist. <laughs> I mean, teaches yeah. you a lot, but still, yeah. life teaches you more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I I really think so. I really think so. I think that you can learn a lot just from being alive if you pay attention to what's going on. But maybe that's not why I'm wanting to go to university. I think maybe I want to go to university to apply what I to apply my creativity to somehow like. Maybe you can see it like a template or yes. a, a particular way of thinking, a particular process of refining the intellect or the, or the creativity. And I think that that's mostly why I want to go so I can, if I can fit into that template, I can reach more people with what I know and what I experience. It's kind of like a sculpting process because yeah. mm-hmm. now I'm just overwhelmed with ideas when I go out walking or swimming and... Um, well, what do I do with those ideas? I, I think that I would really like to connect these ideas into a format that is distributable. Dis- yeah. No, I understand you completely. Because yeah. if you can connect those two words, the words of your discoveries and yeah. the like, regular life that we live, yeah, 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 you actually have a way of reaching yeah. a lot of people with incredible context. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that actually university gives you a lot of technique, a lot of theoretical knowledge, but yeah. then it's up to you how you actually use it and yeah. convert it to something. Yeah, and you also yeah. get a paper, like you are something on the paper and then Yeah, yeah. Which actually means nothing, but it means a lot to people. That's yeah. the thing you were talking about. The yeah, normality the f- of society. The form yeah, the yeah, the form the formalities one. the formalities make the creativity applicable. Yeah. In into a cultural sense or societal sense mm-hmm. yeah well, i think that's a lot of the reason why i would go and study something formally is for that reason mm. yeah, n- yeah i mean why else would i could i could just read online um anything i want it's quite free the knowledge so yeah but that doesn't help me that's i i want to meet people and talk to people i'm very interested in other people m- most fascinated in other people so it'd be mm. amazing to in its concentration of people who are interested in the same ideas. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can completely see you doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not to say it's easy. I don't yeah. imagine it being very easy. No, I know. That's I, why I, I'm so I hesitant. Was, I was studying for three years and then I went for a gap year. So now I'm still kind of on a gap year. <laughs> yeah. Still between studying. And I still have the same the same thing that you're talking about. I feel it yeah. every day. Yeah. So before when you say it, when I was not feeling very good, it was because of that. Yeah. I want to finish my studying because then it's so easy to fit. Then it's so easy to have a paper too, you know, so easy to live. But I feel like I'm learning here so much more than I did in university. Like every month I learn more than I learned in three years before. And I'm not even kidding. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah. easy with university. Life is easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really quite relative too, because it depends. I always think about it like it depends what... What how the child was raised, depending on how they are in, as an adult. Say, if you mm. were raised in school, if you were raised through this, if you grew up the first, say, 20 years of your life and then you went on to study and you did all that, then... And if that is very formal, you're, you want that chaos, you want that tra- travelling experience, you want that yes. uncertainty, That's that pre- uh, potential. So... so so I, I I guess maybe I had a lot of that as a child anyway. I moved around a lot, plenty, plenty. Not just the barrier. I lived on other places around New Zealand too, and I've travelled a lot too. Lived lived in India and and England and Australia and many other countries, and so I've experienced 
uh, this absolute chaos, but I want to put that chaos into a in, into some order. So yeah, mm. and it depends. Maybe since you're living that that opposite, the opposite to of me. Yeah, no? I agree. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, agree. yeah, yeah. I lived mm. a very structured, normal yeah. life, if you can say so, and now yeah. I love this exploring and freedom and not mm -hmm. knowing and just the wildness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. think like our hearts crave for everything. Like, yeah, we want a little bit of all the words. Yeah, mm. I always think about it. Yeah, precisely. I always think about it. It it always the heart or whatever we call it. The self is searching for some opposite piece to complete it as a whole. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really interesting. If we grew up quite orderly, we're going to want chaos, perhaps, uh, to put it roughly. Or if we grew up quite chaotic, we're looking for something orderly as an adult, and um, vice versa. And it changes constantly. It's quite relative. And mm. yeah, so I really yeah. So that that gives me some clarification as to why I want to do things or or how I understand other people, and and why I think oh you don't like studying or you don't think that formal education is good or you don't like society or there's always reasons why people are having their dislikes or likes and so I try and understand the person before make a judgment on the mm. on, on, on the idea um, yeah so yeah I think that's really interesting that you had having this gap here and <laughs> still, <laughs> I'm still, still on the gap here no because it's important I think it, it's giving you some sense of life and uh, it may mm. probably will help you understand what you've studied for s much more, which is so interesting, really. Yeah, it is. It's incredible. And also it gave me this confidence in myself and self-belief, mm -hmm. which is something that formal education never gave me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. That's really awesome, eh? And, mm. and also you can see in practice how things work. Mm. But the the idea you gave, Josh, is it's amazing, like how we're searching for chaos or you go crazy at some point of your life so if mm. you didn't do it when you were young sometime later it comes out like maybe in 10 years people just go crazy go out partying every night you know just like My they God. have to they have to live it through yeah and i think then you have this extra layer of society as well that's kind of repressing this because if you're too long in this system then you you don't have the confidence to get out, you know. So to do something as dramatically as to take a gap year or whatever it is that gives you space where you can experience this feeling or this experience that you didn't have in life, that's that's where you can basically mm -hmm. truly experience it and live it out without something breaking. Because then you see families broken apart or just mm -hmm. like they go crazy, you know. Like yeah, something is yeah, just yeah. off, you know. Yeah. They're like they're craving for something. This as well, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was gonna mention the same thing actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always see that, yeah. eh? Like uh, we, it's we we're, we're searching for we the greater we are searching for our opposite. I would say constantly through life. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I would say that, yeah, maybe that's what the midlife crises are. But it's always relative to the individual. Every individual yeah, yeah. Has, yeah. has its own has his or her own experience of this phenomenon. Yeah, I'm always interested in makes the um it makes its ambience. Yeah, I like that. I think Sorry. we're always looking for an opposite to to our life. I think that's the way the world is, and it's we see that way. We observe what we the way we live through the opposites. So you can say like the chaos and order, or night and day, or introvert extrovert, and 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 these two things are constantly in flux, moving, and 
and we're constantly shifting between the two of them I think throughout her life and that's a really 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 cool thing to understand if we're thinking about university or traveling because those two mm-hmm. things are quite different mm-hmm. they're both mm-hmm. great learning you can learn probably you can learn a profound amount from each of those um, adventures uh, yeah mm. But very opposite at the same time. Right? Oh yeah, so opposite. <laughs> But they complement each other so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Con- contrasts. <laughs> yeah, contrasts create uh, synergy. That's what a synergy mm. is. It's synergy. a c- c- combination mm. of two opposites. I think That's Rich a nice Ru- word. Russell Brand said that he said the interplay of synergy is the interplay of opposites. Yeah. Mm. So mm. same 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 meaning, just different yeah, way of saying it. Just yeah. this union. Yeah, really yeah, yeah. Short. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful synergy, but composed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that. Sweet. I know we talk a lot with you about your travels and places where you've been and foods that you lived off of <laughs> for a month, you know, like, oh, yeah, I, I lived on macadamia for a month. <laughs> It's every tree that you can imagine. Oh, yeah, you ate mango for two months straight, stuff like that. So I just want to go maybe through some of those that we know of and maybe some, <laughs> some unknown ones. Um, maybe we can start our journey in India. Basically, if you want to... Tell about how it was for you, or what did you do? Okay, but also, Mm-mm. I'm interested in how you felt and wh- what was the biggest lesson, or what was traveling teaches, as we just Mm-mm. talked about. Basically, what what was the takeaway? What was the biggest revelation from there? From the coconuts life. Yeah, from India, from coconuts, from yeah. London. Oh yeah, yeah I know yeah. he was a coconut, Josh. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can go chronologically, or we can just jump around between yeah, India, yeah, coconuts, yeah, yeah. and London. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's just. To tell this disclaimer, these stories are gonna seem unreal, but... Yeah, listen to it twice and to you're gonna get used to it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This yeah, is the most yeah. incredible stories you can ever imagine. I think that it was <laughs> what one, one, one thing that carried with me and the people I was with wherever I went was the great sense of life. It was very, 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 very alive, everything. So it was very mm. intense. Everything felt very intense, no matter what it was we were feeling. Uh, one... One adventure I had with a bunch of people I was living in. This was while I was living in Australia in the Daintree, which is a it's a really old rainforest up near Papua New Guinea. So it's the tropics, very hot all year round. Mm. And I remember we were living at this. He was an old man, and he he, he had acquired a property, and he lived there in his meaning into his old age he was old probably 80s or no 70s 60s i don't know he was very old and he had all his teeth missing and just a really rugged guy and most biggest heart though and so his his purpose in life was getting seeds from all the rarest tropical fruits Mm. the most going he would go to indonesia really 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 um maybe once every three months and collect all the different seeds and then bring them back to Australia in all these precarious bags, <laughs> get them through customs somehow, and then take them to the nursery and uh, um, sprout them and plant them. And and, mm. and, and he had wow. his, it was a big property too, right in the jungle, right on the fringe of the jungle, and he was planting fruit trees. So it was a Pakalolo village. I, I can't exactly remember what the word Pakalolo mean. Oh... Pakalolo meant two things. That's the name of the village. So it was... Pakalolo was a kind of cake made out of cassava. I don't know what language it comes from, but that was the that was the theme. <laughs> cassava cake. And so, <laughs> random. Uh, the, basically, it was probably six years he's had the land, and there was a 
plenty of trees already fruiting all kinds of trees mostly the the, the main tree was the durian tree which mm. is the the king of the fruit tree jungle so that's very very pungent fruit delicious full of mm. fatty sweetness like a custard cake yeah lush we were just listening to a podcast maybe two weeks ago when a guy that was like a nutritionist okay he chose one of his five foods that he would take on a deserted island (laughs) (laughs) was durian just because it's like the best fruit the most nutritious the most proteins and everything you need for life in general yeah but funny thing after that uh, we were in Auckland and I saw one Chinese shop and they were selling like fruit durians like a fresh durian yeah 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 that looks crazy eh and you know how much they cost they were $52 per kilo and you know one is big one is more than two kilos and you pay $52 per kilo imagine people (laughs) would buy a fruit for $100 yeah people do people do people are mad about it it's really addictive it's full of um dopamine i don't know the nutrition Mm. of it but it gives you like a rush like you can eat a like three or four um segments of it which is like a big meal like like if you ate a whole a whole durian to yourself you'd be full full as but you'd be like super high (laughs) really alive Mm. i think it's uh, yeah it's got all sorts of things in it but it's full of fat which is really unusual for it to be full fruit. of carbohydrates too mm. so it's so sweet but yeah people were just absolutely crazy about it they were wild about it and so same with this old man and, and he he planted something like 50 different varieties <laughs> of it all the rare varieties the yes. real i can't remember the names now but yes. they were really little red ones and the re- really really small ones big yellow ones uh, all different flavors mm. uh, some are bitter some are spicy mm. some i remember uh, in sumatra tasted almost like coffee so the, the fl- i can understand why this this the person you mentioned would take the durian on a desert island yeah, just yeah. for the diversity yeah. of flavor that you get from it the diversity mm. of everything yeah so yeah yeah that was that was, that was an amazing experience um yeah so what did you do there what did we do um Yep, yep. Uh, I spent some time up there during wet season, which is from around December probably, but till about April. That's very hot weather, and it rains a lot. So it was raining every single day, and uh, the the temperature was terrible. So probably like thirty degrees, twenty nine degrees at midnight. Basically, all we did was <laughs> cope with that. So. <laughs> That 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 brought out like a, a huge amount of mosquitoes everywhere we went. Uh, so we're living. Oh it was like coping with mosquitoes. Right. So yeah, but during that time we just planted trees like for a few hours a day, and then went back inside and chilled and swam in the river too. Um, we went up to the neighbor's house because it's a little community there. And there. There were other people who were very interested in fruit trees and also planting on their own properties many fruit trees. So we would go and visit them and do a day's work uh, fixing some water tank or uh, removing uh, fruits from the trees or um, harvesting things yeah yeah so so yeah just general life driving the tractor not getting it stuck in the in the <laughs> in the swamp yeah it was near the floodplains there was the river the Daintree river which was notorious for crocodiles though we only saw like one or two but there was just because you don't see them doesn't mean they're not there Mm. but the old the old man was a crazy guy so he would swim anyway in the river but yeah that's what we would do just fix things when they broke and hang out by the fan and 
chill by the fire at night mm. and um, feed the little animals that come close to the house. There's all kinds of little animals. I can't remember what they're called. Um, like big rats, these Australian animals like th- that are all so unusual. Uh, Wallabies and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. Like wombats, but smaller. Wombats, yeah. Smaller, with unusual kind of dinosaur-shaped feet. Mm. And mm. big, <laughs> big face, yeah, like a giant hedgehog almost. We'd feed it mango when it was mango <laughs> season. Nice. Yeah, I remember. It was so cute. But was this where you got your fascination about coconuts? I think so. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, um, definitely. I'd say so. Yeah. After that, I left the the Dane Tree to head two hours south from there, and I lived on a beach, um, Port Douglas. It's just like a town in Australia, in the north of Australia, very sort of commercial town, uh, there's a plenty of resorts, so it's it's a, a lucrative town, but there's a big strip of beach there, and it's absolutely full with coconuts, just like <laughs> 10 layers of coconuts back off oh. the beach, and, and it would go uh, probably four kilometres south from the town, and so I would just live on the beach and move up and down it, and there's a few other guys that I was with at the time who, who were really, really like real jungle guys and we'd just go out climb coconuts in the morning and drink coconuts and swim in the sea and climb coconuts and watch the sunset and climb more coconuts and <laughs> yeah yeah that, it was just really rugged really. you were climbing up like 10 meters up the palm trees yep nice uh i would any day choose a, a short coconut tree <laughs> than a tall one but you can't climb short trees all the time because uh, because you have to, you have to go on all the coconut trees. Some of them were very tall, I would say. So most people wonder, oh, how did we climb the coconut tree? Um, the guy I was with, he was much younger than me at the time, maybe four years younger than me. I think he was like seventeen or something. But we would climb free climb. So that means you just walk up it like a pole. Did you have a string between your legs and then you just like hug the tree? wrong. No, 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 no. Nothing. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. Most people climb like that. I don't know why. Apparently it's easier. I never managed to climb a coconut tree like that. Oh, okay. So, basically it's you tie your ankles together with the sarong and you kind of frog hop up the tree. Mm. And I saw many people do that very successfully and very efficiently. Hands, eh? Yeah, yeah, and you can climb a tree if you know hands. how to do it. Uh, you hold on to the tree slightly. You you kind of hop up it like mm. a like a leapfrog yeah. up the tree. <laughs> and, and people who are successful at that and efficient, they can get up a, a palm, they can climb up a pole, straight up palm tree um, in a couple of minutes and without burning off much um, calories. Mm. So, mm. but I don't know how to do that. I, I tried, I failed every time. Uh, <laughs> You're just struggling felt, up. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt there was something between me and the, the palm tree and, and that was the sarong and I wanted something about it I couldn't trust and I didn't, I don't know, I don't know, eh? I don't know. I, I always felt like I, I, I can feel my feet and I know my feet and I know my hands. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, me and another young guy, he, he, he was a, a really, really, really wild guy really wild guy so he just lived on coconuts and he fully just naked in the bush and didn't own anything and ran away basically he was kind of like the the huckleberry finn almost he said he was going to sail on a raft to to papua new guinea so so we lived on the beach for a while and only me and him climbed freehand and free free foot so that means you just hold on to the pole 
the palm tree and you just step one foot at a time and walk your way up the tree slowly oh. holding on and leaning oh back away from the tree so mm-hmm. that's really physical that's really hard to do then you want to choose the palm that's kind of sloped yeah yep a little bit sloped so it's so so you've got so you've got gravity on your side so you can fall into the tree mm-hmm. a bit more but also not too sloped that <laughs> gravity works against you <laughs> that you turn around. You off, yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> You, you don't want to work up something that's like 90 degrees to this to mm. the to the earth and you can do that but that's just you're going to burn all your calories so yeah so you burn a lot of calories climbing the coconut and so you have to make sure that you get enough calories down from the tree to replace it <laughs> so there's no point climbing a coconut tree for one coconut yeah so yeah and i i spent i think i can't remember if it was it would have been almost two months of just having coconut Nothing else, just uh, coconut. Nice. And that was really, really, really. I don't know why. I just like doing those things. They're kind of experimental and fun, and it was free too. You just have to climb. So, yeah, just coconut and salt and any other foraged thing like lime or sometimes a mango or sometimes uh, salt too. We would have salt or seaweed too. Um, just, just tr- trying to see what it's like to live. In some archaic way, some in the wild, <laughs> yeah, some in in the wild way, yeah, which was, yeah, it was very fun, to be honest. Did you ever fell down on the coconut tree? <laughs> um, like probably not from the top, because then we would die probably. Yeah, yeah, no. A friend of mine had fallen from a tree, and mm. he he was an older guy, maybe forty, and he broke a few ribs. He was also a really really wild guy, like so wild it's unbelievable. But um, you know, he fell out of a tree. I. Never fallen out of a tree properly. <laughs> Though That's I've, good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I've climbed trees and there's plenty of... What you'll notice if you are climbing coconut trees is that there's a lot of ants in the trees. And not mm. not the standard kind of ants, but the ones that bite. Mm. And so they don't bite so badly like a bee or anything, but they still really get you if there's enough of them. So you kind of confronted with that factor. But also occasionally and very rarely you'll see a snake in the tree and i don't know oh. anything about snakes uh, uh, but <laughs> i know that there there are some poisonous snakes so <laughs> to me any Australia? snake <laughs> i know what i keep yeah, going yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, all snakes to me are, da- are potentially dangerous uh, yeah. so yeah yeah so i would climb back down the tree <laughs> without stepping on the snake without grabbing onto the snake yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah that that only happened maybe three times <laughs> but still oh, yeah. that's enough yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. wow Yeah, How is it in Australia? You have many snakes and spiders around, or not really? I don't know about spiders. Maybe they're just too small to see, but definitely <laughs> snakes. <laughs> Australian spiders too small to see. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I Depends don't know. Depends where you were from. Yeah, well. probably. Yep, yep, yep. In Tasmania, I saw plenty of snakes around January when it was most warm. Mostly the the black snake, the red belly black snake, and th- that uh, apparently a venomous snake. Um, I saw. I would say I saw lots of snakes actually in Australia. Up in the north though in the tropics there is a lot of py- python snakes I think they call them the snakes that have no well they I don't know what makes them different. They they're not dang- they're not venomous but they but they're really that they've got a different shaped head I remember. They've got more yeah, of yeah. like a bulb on mm, the back the of the head like two um f- they've got a wider head a fatter head. Yeah yeah and th- they were really cool. They, they were really pretty color on the back especially the green ones mm. there was one snake i never saw which i was really interested it was the 
the New Guinea green snake, like a tree snake, I think. Vibrant green colour. I know which variety. Yeah, I wanted to see the yellow variety, so there's a mm. yellow variety of that. Yeah, mm. I never saw that one, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think Australia is, yeah, I think there are lots of things there. I would just be afraid of the crocodiles. So, mm. <laughs> the the in the in the tropics and the rivers, yeah, there's tr- uh, cro- cro- crocodiles. Mm. So, <laughs> don't go swimming randomly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's from this experience with coconuts that you kind of. Um, I know a bit of your dream, but like, uh, what's your dream vision? Would you be willing to share it with us? We're talking how you want to have a basically a land like this, full of coconut trees, and do your own coconut yeah. oil and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Is this a, a thing or is it just like a hunch comes and goes? And <laughs> no, it's been in my stronger. head for a long time. Mm. There's such a thrill with climbing up and there's nothing like it. It's it's not like going into Coles or Coles is a supermarket and buying food and, and just living like that. That's It's um it's separated from the source and, mm-hmm. and the, the, the source is like a a dangerous thing it's like the wild and you don't really want to be in the wild because you're covered in mosquitoes and you're vulnerable to snakes and you can fall out of coconut trees and life is hard basically but there's something also nice about that difficulty there's something uh, primal or fundamental about it which I'm really attracted to as well I, I think it would be nice to learn how to make coconut oil and that that's something I would really love to do as mm. well mm. yes I, I was really really fascinated with how oil is made so yeah, I don't know why it's a peculiar interest, but yeah, I would love to make <laughs> coconut oil and ha- ha- have that as something to sell and somehow make a life out of that. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah. we use a lot of coconut oil. We're gonna be happy to buy from. Oh you. my god, that's amazing! <laughs> yeah, <Yeah-ja's laughs> brand. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, eh? I don't. I've never found much use for coconut oil, to be honest, apart from mm. the. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't suit my skin type or mm. my hair or anything. I like other oils, but. <laughs> Yeah, I just like it. it. Just smells nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's just it fun to make. So great. Just to eat it raw. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great in the food as well. Yeah, mm. yeah or yeah. in desserts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'd be really cool. Coconut is great. It's a wild life to live, and it's got lots of dangers, but lots of thrills, and it's a very real life to be living. And um, I find that, uh, yeah, exciting beyond belief. Yeah, there's nothing like being in a top of a coconut tree. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. yeah, you're an interesting person because every time when somebody's talking about India, people are like, oh, India is the most incredible, like such a spiritual place, it's mm-hmm. so great. And then when you are talking about India, you are always like, no, India is the worst. <laughs> yeah, so. it's not nice there. <laughs> not nice there. Um, but I don't take that as India definitively. I, I say that my time there was not nice because yeah, that yeah. was part of where I was in life um mm-hmm. yeah to India is not something to 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 call anything um objectively I'd say it's just a really interesting place for a western person it's really different mm. uh, but yeah I, I I had a difficult time there very difficult time there um, I wasn't going there for yoga or a yoga anything in fact I was yeah I was mm, living there mostly I was 
I, I stayed in a small village for a long time and I was working as a painter in a it was actually a palace so we were working <laughs> with a royal they were like a, a, a royal people I still don't understand it I don't understand it because there's obviously this language barrier and also this culture bar- barrier which I and, and I still don't understand I don't understand India at all in the least uh, it was a very interesting time and so it was kind of like a stay in the hotel in the hostel wasn't a hostel it was a palace basically it was a palace and we had servants and i had <laughs> all of them here so and in my um my my role my, i was doing it to, with my partner at the time a big mural across the whole of mm. of um the palace and so right. it was very creative and obviously if you're white in india and or you're european you're interesting because people over there they don't see europeans with bl- blue eyes or fair hair at all they only see um their own kind and so they're very interested just as we would be interested if we saw anything different to what we know so and they're the most friendly people the most open people i i've still got friends that i'm in contact with uh, over there who are my age young guys uh, really lovely people i'd say the most challenging part for me was how noisy it was there's no break from the noise mm. and that just really got to me but um i would say that it's an i think it, it, it's it's yeah it was a it was an amazing time i think i think a lot of westerners go to india i think it's a notorious place if you are yeah. interested in traveling Hmm. Uh, I just thought that that I think I think I discovered really some kind of beauty I never ever found before anywhere. It was such a deep beauty. It was this way that life always unfolds itself, and there's no limits or proportion or anything. It just everything is in excess and moving, and there's everything was in flux, and there was just big tractors everywhere, and vehicles, and people, and children playing, and loads of animals, so many dogs. There was just dogs everywhere, so I love the dogs. But there, there was often dog fights, and I, I was bitten by a dog there, um, just by walking mm. past it. <laughs> and it's just really interesting. Everyone just has their thing that they're doing, and it's. I found it to be the most pure sense of life. So yeah, that I loved, and I loved the trains there. But and I probably would go back one day. But it is very difficult if you are a Westerner because it's not at all the same culturally. So that was challenging yeah i would go there again and learn the language properly i Mm. not regret but i um wish i had stayed longer which i couldn't have because the visa was over but to to learn the language the hindi language is so nice to speak so nice to hear and have around and it's a really um, extroverted language i think at least from my understanding of it just sounds amazing and there's so many different kinds Mm. So I really like that. Really, really, really nice. Most things about it are nice, but just tiring. Nowhere you can go and find some peace mm. of of quiet. Which is funny because it's all um, Hinduism and it's all about that, mm-hmm. the kirtan and the inner peace and the. Mm-hmm. It, it's so it's so contradictory. It's eternally contradictory. Yeah, you have but to go in to find peace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But usually they go up in the mountains, so, like on the north. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, but you'll still have, um, yeah, you've got to, I think you've got to go a long way to find some really yeah, peace yeah. of quiet. And even once you do go there, it's really, 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 really rural and it's um, bucket sh- cold shower. Um, in the, well, everywhere is a bucket shower, but in the mountains it's cold, so a bucket yeah. shower is not so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not, it's 
not so nice, not appropriate. Yeah, mm. well, I think India is a great place. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I remember you told us you you also lived in London in one squad. Yeah. And I remember the story where you where you said you came to London and it was the first time that you saw that houses can be warm in yeah, the winter yeah, yeah. because here in New Zealand yeah. the, there's no isolation or anything and yeah. for me it was like a completely different experience the first time I came to New Zealand I saw that house can be cold in the middle of the winter and like people live like this and it's normal so yeah. how was that experience for you? It was really cool eh? it's a really really peculiar thing that I was confronted with actually it, it was my very first time leaving New Zealand and I was 19 I think and I had I only knew New Zealand of course and, and we were just on the barrier Great Barrier the, the island we were earlier talking about so it was a very rugged contrast from the barrier to London and we arrived and the, the person I was traveling with we went to visit her friend and stay at her house I think it was like the first night in London but after the airport you come out from the tube and then the tube goes up above ground after a few stations and then as soon as I remember coming above ground it was my first eyes looking out into yeah. what London was really like and I remember seeing the houses were all brick and I was kind of shocked because you know you don't, if you've never been overseas you don't know what to expect of course yeah. Yeah. you don't know that there is such a thing as a culture shock you've heard that word before but you don't understand what that word means and so I guess I felt that mm-hmm. I felt the meaning of the word the palpability of it and so when yeah the first thing I noticed was that everything was made out of brick and everything was elaborately made out of brick including the chimneys and I remember just looking at every house and I thought these houses are the most beautiful houses I've ever seen they're mm. like little castles with bricks yeah, yeah. and chimneys and so no one else thought anything of it yeah. except me <laughs> I saw in New Zealand maybe two or three houses or three neighborhoods built from brick yeah like Brick is the most I think precious just thing. Colored, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just the facade. <laughs> yeah, just the facade. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why. But yeah, so then we got out and we stayed at, at the first night in the fr- f- at at uh, her friend's house, the person I was traveling with, and and from the barrier two days ago to London in this flat in a in a little town in London and the house was warm and there was radiators and I hadn't heard I thought radiator was a thing that belonged to a car not to a <laughs> which is kind of funny it's so naive but the the house was so warm at night it was so warm and it was it was kind of an interesting time of year I think it was September so it was cold and it was still cold in New Zealand and it was still cold in England mm-hmm. so it was kind of like there was no difference in climate so much essentially and I remember it was just really hot at night and it was stuffy and warm and cosy mm. apparently <laughs> yeah 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 it was it really was but, but for you it was like tropics so. yeah 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 so I loved that I really did I loved that I loved the difference of the way people spoke immediately I noticed the conductor or whoever it was the station conductor we asked for directions and I heard him speak with the, the accent it was very funny so <laughs> that was fun yeah I really liked that i don't know, it's those, it's those un- unusual things that you don't expect to experience that stand out most mm-hmm. in your memory, I think, mm. in looking back on, say, a first time travelling. So th- that to me was, for some reason, the most interesting thing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also there, interestingly, I was thinking that um, for me it's gotten really usual that people say, oh, I was basking for months and months or today you know i was just playing the guitar juggling whatever yeah on the street and l- basically living of it i mean people earn quite some money you know to do it yeah 
and you told me that you were doing this in London. Like, yeah. How was that experience yep. for you? Yep. Yep. Or what is busking anyway? Yep. I was by no means a professional busker. I think a professional. By no means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> professional busker would have like an amplifier and they have ah, a set yeah. that they ah, bring mm. and all of that. But no. And people come <laughs> when yeah, they, yeah. they're playing. Exactly. That's not to say that I I had savings, of course. Uh, that I was. Um, like, I was somehow making a living off busking. In New Zealand, definitely, definitely, I lived completely off busking. We we were actually travelling around New Zealand before we left to go to London, off busking completely, and I had a banjo, another guy had a banjo, and my friend had the the small drum, and so we, we were like kind of like a band. <laughs> a band, yeah. But you see, and, and we yeah. were uh, making money lots of money too people mm-hmm. would give us 50 dollar notes mm. they would get, like we, we were making hundreds of dollars an hour which is a really good amount nice. uh, s- same in england i was busking in dorset for a long time which was the county i was living in uh bef- yeah the county i was living in for a period of time over winter there and we i would go out outside uh uh, Morrison's, which which was the supermarket, and play, and people would give me fivers, and tenors, and and or the the, the two pound coins, and I would do that for a couple of hours and make. I remember once I made sixty pounds, which is that's a nice amount of money, and that, that that's good, eh? And well, what do you need? I would, I would we would buy food with that, and that was very fun. Yeah, yep, yep. So, but busking is something to do. I, I wasn't professional. Uh, I wasn't. I, I would just play a few songs on the banjo and sit on a chair with the case in front of me. Yeah, I didn't have an amplifier. Yeah. Though a banjo, you don't really need an amplifier because they're a loud I- mm-hmm. instrument. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're awfully, they're awful if played badly. <laughs> you got to be careful of that. Yeah, but they're a great yes. instrument. So, yep, busking that that's a, a great thing to do if you are wanting to move around hitchhiking or traveling or live in the van or mm. anything you want to do and as long as you're moving and have some kind of income at least a little bit of an income uh yeah so that's so cool i love that yeah yeah okay um, amazing first part of like amazing first hour <laughs> of yeah. conversation beautiful beautiful we know you mostly as a person who is well traveled and well read and also well written, <laughs> well written. So you're you're you've been working on your book for a year yeah. or two and i'd like to know basically like why do you write what do you find yeah. fascinating about it how you go about it and also specifically about the book yeah what yeah. Wh- wh- what is writing for you in general yep yep so it's you can we can call it my book as in i'm the one writing it but it's in no way about me so mm-hmm. indirectly it, it's about me yeah. but mm-hmm. not necessarily so yeah i've been working about a year and a half now on a like an, a novel just i've always been fascinated in writing so i decided and i've always wanted to write too but i've always put it off and said i'll start tomorrow or i'll start next week or i'll start so i thought no i'll just start okay so i did and i started and i started mm-hmm. writing uh each episode one week at a time and now I'm a year later I've got it I've compiled basically the first draft of the novel and basically during that year I've I've read plenty of classic novels uh slowly of course I'm not a fast reader but and I've really researched and looked into how to 
all the different literary styles and techniques and ways of putting words together to tell a story. And so I, I'm, writing a, I'm writing a novel about... It's a bunch of different people. You can say it, you can say it's a, in one sentence, you can describe it as a coming-of-age story told, by, told through three different, three very different people. So there's like three main protagonists and they all go through a little portion of their life and are confronted with a, a situation that that they need to go through in order to grow. And so one is a father and he has a son and uh, he is uh, living his life on a small croft, it's called, but it's it's like a, a small plot of land and they farm it and they grow things and so he's raising his son and he wants to raise his son as homeschooled so he's that's his way of doing it and his son's very interesting too and so he's confronting all the difficult challenges of that and growing up and what it means to be a father and and all of that and there are two other characters too one is just working in a shop and she is a she is also going through her life and confronting all the difficulties of having a relationship with another another man and and so that's part of her story and the other one is someone who's ambitious and she's a female and also wants to go exploring life as well and 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 so yeah that's basically the three stories but they're brought together in such a way that it contrasts one another and it really brings out the characters truly and i don't really have an opinion or or a moral or a truth that i want to say that's not i don't feel that that's a good way to tell a story personally so i just say Here's three people. Here's a really truthful, r- realistic d- description or portrayal of their lives. Read it. There's no, there's no hidden me- meanings or there's no. Mm. It's just as accurate to real life as possible. I'm, I'm writing in the style of realism, so I'm, I'm really fascinated by the little details that fill up people's lives that are, um, that that are no different to any other day that will be forgotten. So it's kind of painfully relatable <laughs> and also mm. uh yeah i've got a really sensitive um uh attention to detail in my writing so mm. i'm paying attention to everything and that's kind of the style i'm writing and it's yeah so so i'm really interested in the the idiosyncrasies of the character and the personality and I, i'm interested in character i'm in, i'm not interested in what happens to the character necessarily or what the characters do but why they do it, mm-hmm. yeah. So it can be you can you can therefore tell a story about anything, if yeah. you know that, and that's what I'm interested in: why they live the way they live, not not how they live. Mm. So so I'm really interested in characters, not or people basically. Mm. They're people, they're not characters. Mm. A lot of times you and I talk about uh, Raskolnikov and uh, <laughs> Crime and Punishment. Is it something like that? Yeah. It's not a lot of action, but a lot of inner drama. And yeah, 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 Russian similar, similar. I'm, I'm really inspired by Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky, yeah, he's one of my favorite writers. He wrote about really extreme things, though. I'm writing more about everyday things. Mm-hmm. Like, he was writing about um, Raskolnikov. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah, but it's not about the yeah. action. It's just about yeah, what's yeah. happening. Precisely, yeah, yeah. yeah. The action yeah. happens in like the first eighty pages. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what what really happens is what goes on after that in, yeah, in Crime yeah. and Punishment. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, precisely. I think I was inspired a lot by crime and punishment um i write in a very different style to him he writes mm-hmm. dialogues and he's really dialogue driven but yeah more 
interested in indirect speech, the narrative. Mm. Not to say I don't write dialogue myself, but yeah, I'm very, very, very interested in the way the character responds to the action rather than the action itself. <laughs> I guess, yeah, that's how I would describe it. Yeah. Mm. Where do you get your inspiration for the book? Is it from your life, from the stories yeah. people tell yeah. you, or yeah. you make, make it up? I don't make up anything, necessarily. I just change what I experience into mm. put them on, make like a pastiche or collage of little moments that I've experienced in real life. Yeah, it all comes from real life. That's how it can be so truthful. I can't make fantasy or make up scenarios. It just doesn't sound real enough to me. But yeah, I get inspiration just from the, the people I meet, either hitchhiking or um, memories of people I've met that have been interesting. Yeah, nothing special. There's no special thing about it per se, but it's the detail, the attention to the detail, I would say, which mm. is special because it's really, 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 mm. really close detail to very fine moments. Uh, yeah, I get my inspiration from just paying attention to the way people behave around each other. It's eternally in, um, interesting and fascinating. Really, really fascinating. Mm. Yeah. Well, before you said something about how the book and the reader have a relationship and the author, this is like a triangle of many interpretations so yeah, what's yeah, your view yeah, yeah. on artworks and books especially would you say that author has any influence when we are reading the book how is that for you do you think that when you write something it belongs to the reader i hear it a lot said like that yeah that's um, true as as the reader is interpreting it's their interpretation it's not like calling up the author and saying oh, what did you mean when you wrote the curtains were blue it's like no you decide you know well, yeah, what's it making yeah, for you yeah. so what's your kind of view on that yeah that's a really nice point eh? I'm really aware of that um, I think it was I don't know who it was maybe it was James Joyce who said for each reader there is a different book mm-hmm. so to paraphrase something mm-hmm. he yeah. possibly said um, it could have been someone else but yeah that's true I like to make something objective so I'm not trying to teach or moralize or say this is how you should believe or this is what I believe I just say this is something it's a thing mm-hmm. the novel it's just a a little snapshot of of a little history of a few people's lives and yeah I, I, I give it to the reader and the reader will find things that I don't know about it or see things that I don't know about the book and so yeah I'm, a, I'm very aware of that I'm very fascinated by that and I love mm-hmm. that and I love that about r- r- book clubs I guess are a good a good way to get the most out of a book like a group reading say five people all read the book together and you'll you'll all read a different book so mm-hmm. i think the artwork is um the art is yeah really relative really relative so it depends on how you what angle you're looking at it mm-hmm. so, so so there's infinite depth with a book i guess yeah yeah i mean i don't know how it is in other countries i've only been through one school system education system yeah and in Slovenia it was like this that you have basically part of your language and literature education is reading books some yeah. foreign some um, Slovenian but it's never about you know how you have a course in creative writing it's yeah. never creating reading it's always telling you what you're supposed to find in the poems in the yeah. literature itself and it's so interesting you know like have you ever had this um, idea thought how how you should read something or how it should be interpreted or you yep, yep. you just did it yourself no I, I think that of course we should do it ourselves that's what we inevitably bring to the book but also there's an importance of 
this is my opinion of course I think that we should get to know the author as much as possible and get to know the, the context and the pressure and constraint in which mm -hmm. the author was writing and really yeah for example like Dostoevsky I really want to know about him and, and his Russia and mm -hmm. really understand what he was trying to say and why he was trying to say it and mm -hmm. what the consequence is of what he was saying and so really as, as much as I can get to know what he was saying because mm -hmm. I'm bringing so much of my own uh, contemporary moments with it and my own like experiences mm. with it to the book that I'm reading so I, I would say that certain things there are ways to read it and, uh, and, and then the creative process which the reader brings is the new angle at which they view the mm. book so I really think it's important to get to know the biography of the author like mm. I really get to know the book so much I, I, I like spoil the book for myself I get to know the whole plot and I, I watch every review on the book possible I read everything about it I read everything that was going on politically surrounding the book and all through the book I'm doing that too reading it and yeah and that's I guess how I read a lot of Dostoevsky's books um, and, and that gave yeah and th that got me onto Russian history and, and the 20th century mm -hmm. of the Russian history and um, how profound Dostoevsky was as a writer because of that he was almost more of a pr prophet perhaps mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. than anything so so yeah that that changed I would say that reading the brothers Karamazov and Crime and Punishment and his other books that I wasn't even living in the same universe before having read those books mm -hmm. as I am now having read them so, <laughs> so yeah like especially Crime and Punishment that really opened up a lot to me in in, in, the, in the best sense mm -hmm. I, I'm living in a different world now yeah so interesting because it's so hard to imagine how people lived maybe 100 years ago yeah. so I think books are the basically only relic left from that time yeah. that's reminding us how a common day a common person's day looked like or yeah. how the life actually looked like you know yeah. without electricity <laughs> yeah <and laughs> writing that, but, over but a candle with a wick and a, and a yeah, oil yeah. pot yeah so yeah 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 there's certain things that will always be with us and that's why that's the, that's the definition of a classic it's something that <laughs> lasts time something mm. like why do we read homer or the or the, the gita or the bible it's like well there's messages in there that aren't fragile to time and they have relevance across culture and across mm -hmm. language and across history and that's why forever we'll probably still be reading it and that's why we can read crime and punishment in 2020 2021 and and still have some life-changing experience over it uh yeah i'd say that yeah yeah i would yeah yep, mm. crime and punishment it's a good book <laughs> it's a really good book it's a positive book too i found it's a very positive book even though it's diving into the most um most suffering someone can experience it was really intense to read but it's just such a um optimistic story i would say because it's it points to the to the to the ubiquity of human forgiveness somehow there's some some truth there that can't mm -hmm. be erased from anything no matter how big a mistake a person makes mm -hmm. yeah that that to me was like wow that's everything that taught me how to be sympathetic to the people i yeah. thought were the most wicked people in the world like I can't, I can't hate wicked people anymore. I, I realize while well, they, I have mm. such a different um, understanding of the human enterprise and the human being, 
So yeah, to me, crime and punishment changed a lot. It it, it was a very that and probably going traveling and a few other mm-hmm. like going to India maybe um, were like milestones in my in my uh, in, in my life that yeah were sources of profound growth. Mm. So. Yeah, it's a great book. <laughs> I recommend anyone read it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love just the style of it. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's. I, I just want to hear like I know what you, what you usually recommend, but just to have something more like, uh, top five, you know, like your top five. Top five books. I don't know, like mm. uh, I know you brought the whole package of them always with you, yeah, wherever yeah, you went yeah, and yeah. wherever you go. Um, But still, what would be the five you would take to the, the deserted <laughs> island? The five I would take to the desert island. Yeah, 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 yeah. Without doubt, I'd take the Bible, the King James Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'd take that one. I would, yeah. And because the, of religious or philosophical points? Uh, just because of its, the humanity it contains. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. the importance to humanity. The The Old Testament is the mm-hmm. um, most amazing book. So that's number one. That's like... If I could choose one book, I'd choose that. But then if I chose five, mm. I would choose... I thought about that often, eh? I'd probably choose um, <laughs> the, the, the Brothers Karamazov <laughs> because it's got such the great the great dialectics, the great opposing truths, the great um, humanity too. And it's long, so you won't get... <laughs> you won't run out of the book as soon. You don't so want yeah. to take a yeah. prophet or something? <laughs> mm. No, the King James Bible, Brothers Karamazov, probably Finnegan's Wake by James Joyce. Maybe not. Maybe Ulysses. I've never read Ulysses, so <laughs> I know that. A wild horse. I know. I know. I've read parts of it. I know that Ulysses has got um eighteen episodes, and they're all uh different styles of writing. So, mm. so I, 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 yeah, I would take that Ulysses. And there's more than sixty four languages inside. Yeah, maybe maybe that's Finnegan's Wake. I don't know. Eh? I don't know. Yes, Finnegan's no, Wake. I think it's Ulysses because I also know it's Slovenian inside as well. It's yeah, crazy. either one. They're both Crazy monsters book. to read. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I've yeah. I've read the, the last few episodes. So I'd take that, and then probably I'd take um. <laughs> what what have I got? Two more books to take. <laughs> yeah. Take, um, uh, probably something by Shakespeare, Hamlet, or something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Probably the Quran as well. Mm. Yeah. Quran. Yeah. Wow. Just another nice book to read. Yeah. Must be powerful if so many people are abiding by it, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. yeah, yeah, yeah. Must uh, contain some basic truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the For Quran. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good choice. Yeah. So, can I ask you now? What is your truth? What are your beliefs about <laughs> this life? Like when you talk about the book and about the world, the book that you're writing and about the world, yeah. I I really got this question. What do you yeah. believe in? If you want to share with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a difficult question because like don't know myself i would say that i'd say that i'm relative so everything seems in proportion to itself so what do i mean it's very <laughs> difficult to know anything and things are constantly changing over time mm. and so i would say i'm almost a moral relativist but not really i would say that yeah i don't know do not lie <laughs> yeah i would say speak do not lie I, th- i think that guy um J- jordan peterson says something that i like he says he says something like you know when you're you know when you're lying but you don't necessarily know when you're telling the truth so yeah i would i, I would i would say that something try be honest with yourself that's probably the best i can say mm. but yeah things are so relative and things are so so changing so what's good here might not be good there and what's good there might not be good there mm. but then you get that's into the true. raskolnikov problem of okay we can kill 
there and kill <laughs> and justify our kills. No, no, no. That's I would say that if you're being honest with yourself, that it's difficult to be in a situation where you want to murder someone. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Things are constantly changing. I think art to me is my religion. Really, like art to me is the expression of humanity, which is most relative, most pertinent to me. So, mm. yeah. Everything's a battle between order and chaos. Everything's a battle between culture and nature. There's no, there's no enemy, and there's no, um, there's no victim or oppressor. I think everything's kind of a victim and kind of an oppressor at the same time. So, pay attention to that, and I would say, um, find some self-respect and realize that perhaps, who knows, maybe you too have the potential to do something wicked like Raskolnikov. Because he's a very good man, Raskolnikov, mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah, but yeah, I would um, say, yeah, that things are really relative. Things are constantly changing. I don't know, really. <laughs> I just try and not lie, <laughs> try and be honest, and not not be not be afraid to say something that I think is true. Because mm -hmm. if yeah. I'm not saying that, then I'm going along with something, and I could be going along with something that's very dangerous or detrimental. Mm -hmm. Like, um, yeah, I, I read this Gulag Archipelago, the Russian Stalin. Um, era were really crazy. I think it was yeah Solzhenitsyn, the author of the book. He said something like, "It takes one truth to destroy the big lie," or something like that. He said, and and so everyone mm. was living the lie through the the communism, or whatever it was. But it, but it took one truth to destroy it, which eventually happened. But yeah, I would say try and be truthful. Mm. Yeah. So we would say that's guided by this inner force of truth or whatever you think is true that's where you find your god and yeah. divinity yeah i'd say everyone's very different too i'd say mm. some people are creative some people aren't creative there's no um there's nothing wrong with being not creative i'd say that find out where you best fit in life and try and follow that and allow yourself to change through it to adapt and evolve through whatever you're confronted with i'd just say don't be i try my i try best not to complain at life because mm. it just makes things worse. I really think that difficult situations, as difficult and tragic as they can be, the only way to deal with it is still get up in the morning and go through it. Like the story, the myth of Sisyphus, I always think back on. It's this, Camus did a nice essay on it, how he said that, that Sisyphus was a uh, was a god and and he was he was he was punished to carry a rock to the top of a mountain for the rock to fall back down again only to repeat and that was going through the whole of eternity and Camus he drew a parallel with real life uh, in the 1940s when he was writing and he said and, and to me it just feels like life it's like life is very difficult thing at times though it is joyful but it's also very difficult um, it's nice to still find the rock to carry to find the meaning mm. and to carry the rock I, th I think it was Nietzsche who said who ha he who has a why can carry any how. And so that's <laughs> what I live by as well. Wow, as that's long as incredible. I have a why I'm doing something, then mm. it doesn't then I can carry the suffering of of the how. So wow, I love that. Nietzsche, yeah. yeah. That's a really a profound why. That's a really profound insight actually. Just realizing that beyond all the things that we are doing there lies a little why and then Yeah before you get to what you're doing you still have a lot of other questions you know to take care of but yeah. when you get to the core is this why yeah it's incredible 
yeah, if we can find a why, then we can deal with. But if Nietzsche was already writing about this, why are we so late? I know, right? Nietzsche. Yeah. Nietzsche. <laughs> Nietzsche's no role model, but yeah, no one caught up with Nietzsche. A few people have, eh? He's he, yeah. he was. What's happening in our society now? He was already prophesizing back then because mm. of his his first principles were so on point. But he was like, Waddy went insane and had his his sister who he hated, changing his diapers, running around naked, mm. dancing in the rain and going crazy. Uh, so mm. he's. He was a catastrophe in himself as well, <laughs> though a very intelligent catastrophe. He's no role model. He was yeah, very yeah, pessimistic. Yeah. But yeah, very intelligent man. We should take him seriously. Yeah. But it's funny for me, like, what I know from Nietzsche is God is dead. Yeah, and yeah. this one, you see, like, about why and how that is so incredible. Yeah. I would like to hear more of this in the world. Nietzsche, yeah. He was kind of... He was kind of making the prototype for what Freud would later call the unconscious, I think, with his Zarathustra. Mm. Yeah, there was this mm-hmm. other part of the psyche. Mm-hmm. This, so, yeah, that was a really... That's why I like Nietzsche, I think. But, yeah, he, he, yep, Nietzsche was basically an incel, I would say. <laughs> and, and you know what an incel is? Uh, no. Incel is like a, um involuntary celibate. It's just the worst kind ah. of human. Like a... I think it's not a very good... <laughs> Yeah, he was kind of misogynistic, and yeah, he was just... He had many problems, though he had profound truth. <laughs> I don't know, I think I like... <laughs> as much as I like to challenge with these difficult things, I, I also like to be embodied and go out. And I think it's more important to go out and climb coconuts and, and do whatever it is that makes you feel embodied. Maybe it's r- wrestling or swimming or um, uh, running or, um, yeah, this kind of thing. Yeah. Nietzsche himself, he said something like, in the morning when life is full and everything is happening, I'm paraphrasing, it's vicious to go out and read. It's like a <laughs> sin. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he hated reading. He wanted people not to read. Why was he writing? So That's <laughs> incredible. Living Such irony. Paradox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like, go out and live, I think. I always want to go out and live and I restrict... I, I read one hour a day or something like that. Every day, but just reading's not life. Life is many things, though. I don't know any truthful things. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Packed full of beautiful insights, you know. Like little gems you left everywhere. Mm. Yes, sure. We got for the end, actually, some fun questions that we ask you to answer in a short manner. So, like, yeah, yeah, a yeah, word, yeah. a sentence, a movement, a sound, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> whatever a movement, can... not really, because nobody can see a movement yeah, on yeah, podcast, yeah. but a sound would be good. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So basically, okay, so we're not going to give away your age, but let's say before you went traveling, um, which advice would you give to yourself back then? <laughs> like, I have written here five years ago, but... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a, as a meet, meeting yourself <laughs> on the Great Barrier, setting off for London, what was... What would you say to yourself? <laughs> yeah, yeah. To spare yeah, yourself yeah. some, I don't know, dark times? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't be afraid of getting a job. I would say mm. to myself, don't be afraid of giving up on traveling and all the potential that it holds to work in a bad job, no matter how bad, just so you can get some money and live. Yeah, don't be afraid of working. That's a nice advice. Yeah. Interesting one. <laughs> I, I would say that to myself back then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Perfect. And you okay. say it in a lot of travelers as well. Yeah, that is true. It's to, you're giving up kind of your freedom in a sense. Mm. Like, getting a job is a constraint to a lot of yep. traveling souls, especially. I see it a lot. Yep. Don't be afraid to give up 
don't be afraid to acquire responsibility. Mm. Mm. Okay, so next question. You saw a lot of this world, and what is one thing that you would like to change in the world? If you have a power to change just one thing in everyone instantly, what would you do? No, that's a real hard question. Uh, immediately, I would just say, don't lie. Don't and, lie. And, yeah, and you can lie in many ways. It doesn't have to be verbal. You can lie in by going to a situation you don't like or going to a relationship mm. you don't like. Or I don't know. I don't know. Those are just quick examples. Mm. But yeah, don't lie. Probably later I'll think of a better answer, but yeah, that's probably yep. Mm. That's incredible. To be honest with incredible yourself. Incredible advice, yeah. Incredible well, thing to change. <laughs> yep, change yourself, not the world. Change yourself, yep. not the world. At least try and change yourself. Yep. So be honest. Mm. Yeah. Uh, before we were talking about your book, do you know the title already, or <laughs> when it's coming out, or what? Interesting <laughs> question. No, I don't no. have a title. Okay. No. no. Okay, so you're in your uh, mind's eye. How does this book like look like? We're just going through our bookshelf and yep. seeing how the stylistically the books are made. Yeah. So yep. wh- what's the one thing you really cherish in a book and you want to have in your book, like, yep. like the a plated or... size or uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> B- Big margins with small font, not too small, but <laughs> and, and a nice a nice font, I'd say. But yeah, paper cover, uh, paperback. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, plain. No, no pictures of the characters. No, um, yeah, a nice big font uh, for the title, whatever the title will be. Mm. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just, uh, yeah, I'll be happy to see it like that. Yeah. Do you yeah, have brown a... paper, probably not white, mm. not bleached paper. Mm. Yeah, big margin, so when people read, they can take notes in the sides. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's your style of reading. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Read with a pen. <laughs> read with a pen. Oh, that's yeah, just for fun. Nice. Do you want to have like blue letters? I know you saw a book with yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's <laughs> a, a blue font. Thing. No, black mm-hmm. is nice. Mm. Yep, nice big black letters on a on a brown paper. <laughs> mm. Nice. With a good smell. Yep, yep, yep. Lo- lots of visual um, dashes for the punctuation. I like the dash. <laughs> just because mm. I would rather use dash than a semicolon. Mm-hmm. Just so it comes out on the page, looks alive. Yeah. Mm. True. Yeah, punctuation is everything. Yeah, I'd like mm. a book like that. <laughs> nice, nice. It's a dream. I'm keen to add it on the bookshelf. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> soon, soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, great. Cool. Yeah, I think we covered, covered just about everything. Whole life. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> kidding. Yeah. Is thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. Is there anything you want to end at for the end? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, read Crime and Punishment. <laughs> if you're someone who yeah. likes to read books. Thank you. <laughs> I only read two hundred pages. So nah, yeah, yeah. maybe I have to finish it now when you're <laughs> you told us it's so inspiring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just fun. It's just fun to read. Nice. Thank you so Brilliant. much, Josh. Thank, Thank you, Josh. you. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Thank you everyone. Bye bye. Lots of love. Bye bye.